2: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell
1: by Discount Tire.
2: Let the word go forth. Fool me one? Are you fired up? If I'm not a
0: crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. <laughs> it's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. Hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Show sure, everyone, I'm Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks. Hey Ben, how are you, buddy? I'm okay. Just watched that uh, rip roaring press briefing. That was exciting.
1: <laughs> a press briefing, uh, really exciting stuff. <laughs> Sean Spicer, he he had his first press conference today, and we'll talk a little bit about that uh, coming up here later on in the episode. First, we got to start with the inauguration. We got uh, Travis Irvine uh, is with us. He's a reporter for Mediate, and he was on the ground during uh, the big day, January twentieth. 2017 when Donald John Trump officially became the president of the United States.
3: It was very intense, and uh, you know I was out there for Mediaite, They want me to interview a bunch of news people. Mm-hmm. Here's the tough thing about the job: news people don't want to talk to me. I'm gonna get fired.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. But you currently you are with Mediaite right now, so you were actually there at the inauguration. And uh, what was it? Uh, what What was the mood like? You know, obviously we saw some of the protests. Uh, some of some individuals did turn violent, although it seemed like a fairly small group of people. They busted up a Starbucks uh, because that'll show them. And they painted <laughs> yeah. a limo. They They basically... They set uh, a limo
0: on fire. They did.
1: They did exactly what Rowdy Roddy Piper would do (laughs) to, like, the Million Dollar Man. Uh, You know, if it was a WWE promotion or an event like that. I don't know why they attacked the Starbucks. Schultz, who was the CEO of Starbucks, is a liberal... Uh, who actually pays their workers a fairly good wage and he provides them health care out of all the places to uh, destroy starbucks wouldn't be one of them go after Dunky. <laughs> you got to attack a Dunkin' donuts if you really want to smash a uh coffee store's windows you know
3: yeah i went by a mcdonald's later on in the day and their windows were smashed so maybe mcdonald's are, are you for the smashing that one you like that smash
1: well i mean you know i don't like any of the smashing but sure mcdonald's i could see you can rationalize it you know you're a you're a hooligan wearing a mask and you want to get your, uh, you know, a McMuffin, something yeah. like that. Yeah, and all
0: those minimum wage workers who had to sure. clean up all of that shit. I'm but, oh, sure they got the overtime on oh, no wait. They don't get paid overtime. That's, yeah. Well, that's the yeah. saddest
1: thing. If you did, Marcus, you saw the cleanup. It's just people who had to wake up earlier that day the following, uh, you know, January 20th. It, the CEOs are never cleaning up. <laughs> so just stop <laughs> that, trashing that be. businesses because no one is, air, you know, uh, heliporting in. Uh, you know, landing on a heliport from a helicopter to go clean up the mess at a local Starbucks in DC. That would yeah. be something, though, if CEOs had to
3: clean up all the uh, rioting messes. <laughs> across I would the throw country, at their a brick through a
1: window <laughs> myself. Yeah. But it's always yeah. just the low-rung worker who is forced to clean up the mess of these people who are supposedly representing the masses. That's how it goes for that. It always goes for
0: protests as well. You know, we always we talk about that one protest that we saw. The I, I think it was against uh, global warming, but the global- they completely and totally trashed. Uh, New York City, yes, Uh, and I also saw uh, a nice little irony in Philadelphia. Uh, I saw a sign uh, that someone I guess had uh, had at one of the marches, uh, and it was decrying the power of the rich, uh, but it was just kind of thrown next to a trash can uh, Mm. for somebody who works minimum wage to clean up.
1: Yes, Uh, and we do. I definitely want to talk about the Women's March. I mean, one of the largest marches in U.S. history. They're saying it happened in 500 cities all across the country. Roughly 3.3 million people showed up. We had a great opportunity to be in Philadelphia this past weekend. Everyone was so phenomenal, and uh, and it was a wonderful meeting. Uh, The people who had marched earlier that day, we met them later that night. And actually, I met some marchers uh, walking up 17th Street there in Philadelphia. And they, you know, they randomly shot my, called out my name. And they're like, giant person, Big Ben (laughs) Kissel, Sasquatch sighting." And I was like, do you guys listen to the show? (laughs) And they're like, yeah, we're huge fans. And it was really awesome meeting the people who marched. And when we talk about the violence, I'm talking about an isolated group of people who I believe probably would have, uh, acted similarly. Had Hillary been elected, there are people who just take these opportunities to be to be vandals. They're anarchists, yeah, and they certainly don't represent the amount, the millions of people who have rational uh, concerns about President Trump. And from what I understand, for the most part, the largest. Um, protest in or march in U.S. history was very peaceful. I don't think it, it was even for the most part. I think it was for the all part.
0: I don't think yep. there were any reports whatsoever of any kind of violence.
3: Well, yeah, no that was only during
1: the inauguration. We're, exactly. we're starting
3: to blur two very different days in D.C.
1: True. Um, well, we're talking about the weekend as a whole. But, yes, that's a good point. So let's go back to the— I, and I do want to talk about the white supremacist, getting, the white supremacist that was, getting punched in the face. That
3: was the one piece of violence everyone
1: seems to be unilaterally <laughs> okay with. Truly thrilled about—what's the name of this guy? R- Uh, Richard Spencer. Richard Spencer. Now, he is a self-avowed white supremacist, correct? Uh, I
0: mean, I think he's one of those people. It's like, I'm not a white supremacist, but. He's a, I'm not a white supremacist, but. But. Okay.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it was interesting. (laughs) We had uh, Molly Neffel. She's a great co-host of the show Page 7 here on CCR. And her husband, Gideon, he's a great guy. We went to his wedding and... uh, and he works for the ACLU. I, I believe he works for the ACLU. He could not get enough of posting that footage oh, of yeah. Spencer getting punched <laughs> in the face. It's a great I've myth. never seen a, uh, a dove, a peacenik, more happy with violence in my
0: entire uh, and life. how great was it that he got punched right in the middle of trying to explain Pepe the Frog? Oh, brilliant. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, extra more bonus. exciting than John Wick 2. Yeah. I, mean. I mean, that was the only time, I think, that the real world actually reached out and punched the Internet. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so let's go back to the inauguration then. Um, which I hate that word. I, I can't. I, it's it, really it's, hard
3: to spell, too.
1: Yeah, it's tough to spell. There's a lot of, of people are misspelling it. A lot
3: of A's and U's, but yeah. they're in different places.
1: <laughs> it's all too confusing. Yeah. I'm going to call it the anog from now on, just to shorten it up a little bit. What was the mood uh, from the perspective that you were at, and where were you while this happened?
3: Sure, so I got in about Wednesday, Thursday, uh, before the inauguration took place, and there's already a lot of things uh, happening on the ground. They're shutting down the mall. They're putting up barriers. They're setting up the checkpoints. Um, they've got the giant flags on the Capitol. Uh, all the media people are coming into town. Um, and it, it is kind of an exciting uh, feeling with, with D.C. This is my third inauguration. I went to both uh, of Obama's inaugurations. This is the first one I was actually getting paid to cover,
1: um, even though I didn't do it well. Well, did you feel like it was a different mood? Was there a different tone to the event? I mean, obviously Trump uh, swore, him and Sean Spicer, they, uh, they, they they proclaimed it was the largest event in uh in presidential history when it came to actual people watching it even though that's absolutely not true mm-hmm. although if you take into account the uh, people 30 million I think roughly who watched it on television it might be you know up there ranking uh, when it comes to actual viewers but people that were on the ground there it didn't seem like there was quite as many as let's say Obama in 2012 2008
3: yeah I would definitely say um, and, and you know again not to blur but between the two days but the women's March uh, there were way more people, uh, and it was very observable in DC for that event as compared to the inauguration. Um, and, and, you know, in terms of the two different vibes that we were talking about, there were protests going on during the inauguration. They were um, actually actively blocking uh, the checkpoints to get into the mall. So they were trying to prevent Trump uh, people from getting onto the mall. Trump, oh my goodness, Trump and Sean Spicer. If you guys want to use that as an excuse, feel free. <laughs> yeah, as to why there's no one at your uh, event. But uh, you know, um, in terms of like the the peaceful transition of power, I mean, I was right there uh, for all of that. It's it's an exciting feeling. Granted, with Trump, it's in a weird way, but for Obama to give Trump the tour of the White House, for them to drive together to the Capitol, Mm -hmm. all the different people from all the different parties and partisans, all their all their rancor, they all sat there and did the thing and did the ceremony. And there were people there cheering and very happy about it. And then Trump waves off Obama in the helicopter. That was a big moment where everyone was watching Obama's helicopter leave D.C. His job is done. That's what this country is about. It's it's yeah. kind of weird the institutions and the symbolic uh things that we got to do to make it all happen, but that is that action of what happened this weekend that is what America
1: is all about. And we get we did get those adorable photos of George W. Bush. Oh, by the <laughs> way, the man who has oh, yeah. s- still in the longest war of in US history. The mm-hmm. man who started that war, uh, of course, the invasion of Iraq and Afghanistan and basically led to the destabilization of the Middle East for generations to come. But man, he is cute when he tries to put on a uh, sombrero or whatever they call that <laughs> the hell that thing. Poncho. Because A, poncho. <laughs> the a sombrero would also be adorable. No, it was no, Dick there, Cheney
0: yeah. sitting behind him, wearing the funny hat. That's
1: right. Yeah, Dick Cheney Dick was, Cheney was a, there. A, Dick Cheney was there, and he was oh. wearing a
0: cowboy hat the whole time. You know, yeah. I saw
3: the clips of Jimmy Carter, and you got mm-hmm. Bill, uh, Bill Clinton, and Hillary Clinton. That's always fun because uh, there's a gif going around of Bill Clinton just staring at Ivanka, really giving her the eyeball, right. and then Hillary <laughs> looks at him and gives him an eyeball, and then she just turns and is like, "Whatever, I'm done with this."
1: Can she do anymore i yeah. mean unbelievable and if you look closely at the picture of dick cheney who was sitting behind uh, george w bush you can see his hand up his ass <laughs> and uh, yeah, 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 he's yeah. actually moving around uh, george Try, w trying bush pull, yeah. <laughs> yes. trying to keep the poncho on but through it's the like, ass like the movie dead silence uh, <laughs> right right has seen that
3: yeah but so, there were you know some interesting but like when um, chuck schumer i was when i was there the yeah. day before the inauguration he was actually doing the mic check and running that speech and uh, it's interesting because when I heard it the day before, it was a lot less um, – I'd say he kind of ratcheted it up a notch on the day of, and you could hear the Trump people just booing Schumer. I think they sure. started yelling, lock her up, which didn't make any sense. They did, it's, not at this it's, point. It's Chuck, it's, you know, he's not a woman uh, that we know of. Um, <laughs> and uh, so you know there were some divisive moments, but I'd say overall with the parade and everything, in terms of all that symbolic – Inaugural passing of power, making it peaceful. I think that all went off uh, without a hitch, except mm-hmm. for the two hundred some people who were arrested protesting, burning stuff. But it's like you said, uh, you know, people on the left even said, "Hey, that's not what we're about." Right. And know. a
1: lot of times, you know, I know J- James O'Keefe, and you can argue some of his journalism. I used air quotes when I said journalism is is suspect to <laughs> say yeah. the least. Yeah, yeah But yeah. he does talk about how some of those protesters we're paid, are paid, are paid, pro- and They're and, professionals, uh, yeah. and it, which is a strange uh, thing to even think about. Paid but by who? Well, uh, they say the Soros and that crew, but it's a little bit muddled up. Um, well, I when mean, it comes down to the actual following the money,
0: those same people will point to George Soros again and again. You know, they said that uh, Soros had bust in people, bust in protesters, and right. that was completely and totally untrue. I think those buses that they showed were from uh, guys busting in for like a technology conference. <laughs> well, uh, those
1: are the we gotta get them out. That was uh, that's all those, that's yeah,
0: all good. Gateway pundit bullshit. Yeah, uh, Gateway pundit has uh, again and again put forth stories like. That uh, and they are patently untrue. They are full
1: yeah. and fa- they they are full on fake news. You know, it was interesting because Trump is such a phenomenon, and the news media just absolutely loves covering him for better or for worse. Certainly, Spicer uh, in his press conference today sort of got into an area of just like, but they're picking on us. You know, he sort of got Millhouseian. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure if Millhouseian is a term, but Millhouse from The Simpsons. He sort of had that vibe towards uh, the end of the near nearly hour long. Uh, press conference.
0: Yeah, no, he got very, very, very whiny uh, when yes. people kept uh, kind of pushing on him and the uh, the inauguration numbers. Yeah, you know, and he amended that. He amended it to say that uh, it was not. He did not say that it was the largest that was ever attended. He meant that it was the largest audience when you combine both the people right. there and the people watching online. And he also definitely uh, made sure he's like, but YouTube and you know, and um, and streaming and all of that. Right. You know, those numbers aren't aren't brought in because Ronald Reagan's was, I think. 40 million. Uh, He has the highest. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah, his 1981 uh, inauguration was the highest at about, I think it's either 40 or 41 million.
3: Oh, wow. But that's like TV Nielsen ratings that you can register. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. with the internet, there's really no way to to tell. I mean, Facebook uh, Live. Only Facebook goes. lies. Facebook I like lies. That what, I, what I was trying Facebook to say here's Facebook lies. lies. Facebook I will lies. say I do use Facebook lies for a lot of my videos though. <laughs> That's great for <laughs> as much as I hate it. Um, but yeah, no Facebook live. You know, it just
1: mm. it, there's just a little k there, and you
3: can't really tell. You know how do you even monitor that? So. Well, I,
1: I definitely want to talk about the press conference a little bit more and talk mm-hmm. about executive orders, which Donald Trump is already signing at a fever uh, at a feverish pace right now. Uh, as a matter of fact, we are no longer going to be a part of TPP. Which is something that I was actually in favor of not being a part of. Um, so that's kind so of a lot of the but, Bernie people, and a lot of the Bernie yeah. people were as well. That sort of again, that sort of strange Venn diagram crossover between Bernie supporters and people who could find themselves, uh, you know, appreciating Trump's policy when it comes to foreign trade. Uh, it's interesting. Because the cameras were on Donald Trump so much, they showed the pen ceremony after he was inaugurated. And this mm-hmm. is where he signs. Uh, this is He can finally allow his cabinet choices yeah. to be official because, obviously, before he's president, it doesn't really matter. And you, and people, they clamor for these pens. Yeah. So Nancy Pelosi is there. She Chuck wanted Schumer one. was there. He they, wanted one. Chuck, and, but I thought what was so interesting was how cordial everybody was. And you can see that Chuck Schumer... And Donald Trump have a real relationship. I mean, obviously, Donald Trump being a a native New Yorker and huge in business here for such a long time. Chuck Schumer basically being a staple of the Democratic Party, certainly the most power, powerful Democrat in New York, without a doubt. And I believe second most powerful Democrat. in, in the nation. It was interesting to see them. Actually, you, you get the veneer was sort of removed and we could see it's just a group of chumps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was wondering how people would uh, feel about that. And what did you guys feel? Uh, it, to me, it it just proved once again. And this is sort of why I've been able to maintain less paranoia and less fear. And again, I have to clarify this. And I was talking to a fan in Philadelphia about it. I'm a huge white dude with no disabilities other than, well, that can be argued, <laughs> but no no, no official disabilities, and I wasn't a wedge issue. I'm not Muslim. I'm not uh, a DACA child, and pray uh, to God that Donald Trump does not allow DACA to expire. We'll have to get our friend back on mm-hmm. uh, who we spoke to uh, a few episodes back. Uh, he's a DACA uh, kid, and uh, I really want that to stay in place because those oh. are those are innocent victims in, uh, in this whole thing.
0: I'd like to talk about that later as far as what uh, Spicer's comments were in the press conference concerning DACA.
1: Yes. And so uh so when you see them just getting along, it does so anyway, so anyway, to to my point of, you know, maintaining some sort of like relative calm in this in what seems to be such a turbulent situation, I do think most of them are friends and I think there are uh, key things put in place that would deter someone from going rogue and becoming a true uh, you know, kleptocrat as uh, as a lot of people are calling Donald Trump, and a true authoritarian nightmare. although of course that's a that's a possibility. Um, but did you did you enjoy the fact that they got along so much, or what did you guys feel? Because to me, it was like this is all theater, and that was sort of, again, one of the reasons why I don't freak out that much because I firmly believe, Uh, You know, Trump was at the Clinton's wedding, you know, that kind of stuff. I I just don't think they're actually that much of adversaries.
3: Yeah, I I would say that that leads into what I was saying about the peaceful transition of power, that everyone will get together to do this ceremonial stuff, to do this legal stuff where you're literally swearing in the new president. The other president flies away. He's all done. He's fine with being all done. He's not like I ain't leaving, you know. Um, I think all these guys, uh, yeah, they get along and they realize that they got to do uh, a job. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, one of the things I appreciated most was I saw Bernie Sanders walking in. I'm a big Bernie fan, obviously, but he's sitting next to Jim Inhofe. I found out it's not Inhofe, it's, it's Inhofe.
1: Well, why wouldn't he change it to Inhofe? Inhofe sounds I, I, like a you, you have a bunion.
3: Yeah, <laughs> you know, it does That's sound awful. a lot like a bunion infection. It's,
1: it sounds like a father yelling at his dumpy 13-year-old son to get off the couch. You Inhofe, <laughs> get off the couch, stop playing video games.
3: Well, uh, I do think uh, Inhofe is a, a, a child playing video games it's in possible. many ways. Yeah. But uh, Bernie Sanders said during the primary that him and Inhofe are very good friends. So you see them sitting there talking. Just talking, just yapping like buddies. Right. And, yeah, you know, it, it, despite all the partisan divides, despite all the people who really hate Trump and don't want to work with him on anything, it's like, yeah, look at, look at a thing like TPP. That was a Bernie Sanders issue. Mm-hmm. It was also a Trump issue. Um, so Interesting So you kind of got to, yeah, you kind of got to, and, yeah, maybe Spicer, uh, he, you know, he got a little whiny uh, in the press conference, yes. but maybe he's got a point about, uh, hey, every time Mr. Trump looks at the TV, he sees people complaining about him, telling him, Saying negative stories about him. It's hurting his feelings. Why can't you people well, be he's nice like you know, the TV. to You know how shinching he is? No,
0: he just sits there and watches Fox News all day. Well, I think he would know.
3: just watches CNN because that's what he gets makes- his blood. If he was watching <laughs> Fox News, he'd be tweeting things like, Boy, the media sure is doing great. great Boy, day. they
1: love me. Yeah. I love them too. But that's what's so funny. Uh, yeah, when it comes to Donald Trump, this is a man who, of course, you know, uh, forced Barack Obama to show his birth certificate in his second term uh, of being in office. and Right. They, and of course, he was. Uh, he's a member of the Republican Republican Party, which basically ran on a platform for their past you know, four cycles of just being obstructionist when it comes to what, anything that Barack Obama wanted to do. And obviously, Barack Obama then, um, somewhat because of that, and who knows what he would have done if he had a, a more lenient Congress, uh, but then he, he expanded the executive powers uh, to such a degree. And now Donald Trump is, of course, going to one-up on those executive powers, and he's going to go crazy when it comes to signing executive orders. I want to go back a little bit to what we were talking about on the last episode about Betsy DeVos and the Supreme and the and the Senate hearings and about how they were all like you know to your point uh, they do seem to be friends and that's why it's hard for me to watch those events and not just see it as 100 percent pure theater.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I think DeVos is actually getting pulled in for another uh, a second hearing. So, yes, um, I think if anyone is in danger, uh, it's actually her because her her hearing was so cringeworthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, I mean they're bring, it was so cringeworthy they're bringing her in for another one that's well, how good yeah. it
1: was time for the sequel devos part 2 <laughs> yeah. um I had a great chance to meet with some teachers in Philly as a matter of fact and uh, I found out they were educators so I talked to them about devos cuz I said some um, things on the last episode that got people riled. Mm-hmm. They got all mad at me. My Twitter, they kept on calling me a dumbass. <laughs> I thought that was kind of rude. I woke up to five tweets in a room and be like, you're a dumbass. Yeah. Which I thought that was like, was "My is my little brother tweeting at me? <laughs> um, but that was interesting. Uh, what do you guys think about, uh, and of course we did a little bit of research. We read that New York Times article about Betsy DeVos. And these people, the the teachers that I spoke to, really were completely, they don't believe that she has adequate mental um, abilities when it comes to t- uh, when it comes to being the head, uh, you know, of the, of the uh, Department of Education, just because she's never worked in a public school system, she's never worked in the public school setting, and then we found out she's actually she makes anywhere from five million to twenty five million dollars, somewhere in that window. Well, that's a big window. Yeah, That's how wealthy these people are. <laughs> they like, really big like, and we window. make like five to twenty five million. I don't know. What's don't, a decimal point uh, to us? Um, and it's for Neurocore. 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 What, what the hell's Neurocore? You're neurocore. You haven't
0: heard about Neurocore yet? No, man, a- but now oh.
3: I want to do
1: it. It's Neurocore. <laughs> Are you a douche? Try <laughs> Neurocore.
0: <laughs> it uh, costs. $3,000, either two or $3,000 uh, for 30 sessions uh, and it, I believe what it does is it stimulates electrons in your brain uh, mm. as a uh, treatment for ADD and ADHD and she is a uh, she is a huge shareholder in NeuroCore Neurocore, and yet she knows nothing about standardized testing well, yeah, and she doesn't <laughs> she knows nothing about standardized testing nor does she care to know and I think that was the big thing that I took away from her uh, here Hearing, is that i think she thought that she could kind of just skate by uh saying i love charter schools charter schools are great without knowing anything mm-hmm. about the american public education system
3: well and, and also uh, elizabeth warren pointed out you know she's about to be in charge of the largest student loan department not well not just department but you know the the department of education gives out all the student loans to all the kids trying to go to college out there and elizabeth warren I, I think that was my favorite part of her questioning was, have you ever had a student loan? And, you know, D. Voss has to say, uh, well, I was very fortunate and very, you know, essentially what right. she got Betsy D. to say is, I know I have friends whose kids have had to get student loans. Right. You know,
1: and it's they're just like, wealth shaming her, though. They wealth shamed her. And I didn't think that was good. I don't like wealthism. I don't like any of Okay, <laughs> that's what I always said. Well, I mean, it does,
0: but I think uh, asking questions like that—I mean—it does demonstrate that you're going to be putting someone into this position that has no actual real life experience with it and also her answers like i said they imply that she does not care to have experience like she doesn't care to find these things out well Mm -hmm. you know
1: what's interesting Mm -hmm. though as i was having this conversation with the teachers they were talking about in philadelphia everyone leaves when their children become five years old as soon as they get into school age they just leave and they go out to one of the suburbs and the suburbs are nice schools and um, those people have financial mobility. They, can, they, they have enough financial stability to be mobile, which is a, uh, a privilege in itself. And the people who are in the poorer school districts, they can't move out to the suburbs. Right. And so it's almost to me like when it comes to school choice, school choice already exists for the rich. And so I feel like it wouldn't be a necessarily bad policy if it could exist for the poor also, and I'm sure I'll get a bunch of heat for that. But that I, I, you I dumbass, you dumbass, I'm going to get thirty of those. Um, but yes, again, but I understand the DeVos uh, problems, and I get why people are hesitant to have her lead the Department of Education simply because she has no real world experience. And I'm a personal firm believer that real world experience is better than any data analysis or statistical, uh, you know, um, understand and you have to have real-world experience in order to fully uh, comprehend what, you, what you're going on uh, and, and, have, and what you're going to have to do in the future. When it comes to NeuroCore, though, they did Kirk Cousins. <laughs> oh, he is a former quarterback for the Washington Redskins. Did it work? And, well, he said that it did, but then he was awful. He was a terrible <laughs> quarterback. Oh, okay. but, uh And, the, and the, the Redskins sucked when he was their quarterback. So NeuroCore. So, yeah,
0: you can go to NeuroCoreCenters.com, the NeuroCore tagline. Boost your brain power in 2017. Electrolytes, NeuroCore. <laughs> A stronger brain makes anything possible. Discover what neuroscientists have known for decades. Your brain isn't hardwired. It can change. We empower you to train your brain to achieve powerful, long-lasting results.
1: NeuroCore. I'm an alien prostitute. Do you want to see my three boobs? <laughs> <laughs> the future is now, and it's just as dumb as it was uh, <laughs> predicted to be, <me>, I believe. <laughs> what do you think when it comes to Alex Jones and that whole Breitbart crew we talked a little bit about spencer being there obviously an alt-right the head of the alt-right movement although i'm sure there's some alt-righters who are like we don't have a head it's like yeah you do everyone is organized and uh, there's nothing free thinking about anyone who subscribes uh, to an ideology that millions of other people subscribe to specifically one that is predicated on white nationalism uh but what do you guys think alex jones he's there and he was drunk as hell and i have a clip can we play it oh hell yeah (laughs) and I got a
2: center! I don't need a bullhorn I don't need any other the will of the republic will dominate this BS! 1776 baby 1776 will commence again you like it? this is just the info war imagine you get in a physical fight with us it's over you understand that? I know you do now don't you? Oh, right. taking the gloves off. And if you want to keep pushing with your commie Chinese and everybody else, we're gonna blow your ass off the map. Oh my god. All the secret weapons ain't in the control of you anymore, are they? They're now in the hands of George Washington 2.0. So I know why you're shaking in fear. <laughs> I'm done. Who else wants right. to stop?
1: <laughs> uh, and
0: he's, he's in the middle of a. Cra- it's the middle of the night, right? Uh, in Washington D.C., he's got his microphone, and he goes, "I'm done. Who else wants to talk?" And then uh, right before that,
2: a woman uh, calls him Israel, oh, but he's okay. Hitler. I mean, oh, no, no really. Well, I'd love to hear about freedom of the press with them legalizing domestic propaganda you know, under Obama. You Actually, have liquor on your breath. In the uh, oh, my oh, my oh my god, oh my god. Are you a Puritan?
0: No, I'm just amazed that you're doing your job with liquor on your breath. See,
2: I need the guts. Let me tell you. I you got too you many know. guts, baby. Uh, <laughs> I drink alcohol, so I don't okay. got too many guts. Anyways, so you know, she, drunk no, uh, it's actually made up. I've had, a, I had a coffee earlier.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds yeah. like everybody to DUI checkpoint. No, no, that's a. I had a coffee. I, did, I had a coffee. It's I fine. had coffee. I had mostly Jack Daniels in the coffee. I had some coffee in there though. <laughs> uh, where was the, the phone call? Was
3: that at the the Deplorable?
0: Uh, this was not the Deplorable. No, this right. was him walking up to uh, some protesters. That was on the
3: next day, though, after the Deplorable, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. Oh so it looks God. like the hangover led into just getting drunk again, and that led into random uh, screams on the streets. This man got a phone call from Donald Trump. November 9th, thanking him for all the support uh, throughout the campaign. And now he will have access, and he does have access, to the most powerful person on earth. I mean, what's so fascinating, (laughs) talking about 1776 and all these things, they have their man in the White House. They are the ones in charge. You can't be anti-establishment. You are the definition of the establishment. So we'll see where that sort of wing of journalism, air quotes, I'm using that once again, where they go.
0: Well, Spicer uh, today already told us where those guys are coming from, the Skype reporters. That's right. Now, this is interesting. They're coming in. Yeah, but they you know, are coming in. They're coming live. I'm Infowars. Is coming live from Austin, Info Texas. Uh,
3: excuse me, Sean Spicer. I'm another person.
2: Hey, seventy six, come on.
1: All right, I'm done. Now. Something else gone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was an interesting uh, thing from the press conference today. Sean Spicer talking about they're going to have four new televisions set up that will have Skype connections, so smaller um, journalist institutions Which, can in then theory, have access. I like that, In actually. theory, yeah. is
0: great. It is, in theory, but in it's theory. all going to be I, alt-right network. I mean, it's all going to be alt-right
2: outlets.
1: I cannot wait for Alex Jones to ask a question. <laughs> <laughs> How do you get your body Excuse stress? me, uh, uh,
2: President Trump, President Trump. Are you George Washington 2.0?
1: <laughs> I think I heard he was George Or is it more of like a 3.0? <laughs> oh my goodness. You, all right, someone else can have one. I'm all. You done. have liquor on your breath.
2: <laughs> yeah, I had oh. a coffee. <laughs>
1: Sounds like a lot more than a coffee, my goodness. Oh boy. But that is a fascinating uh a fascinating development. Uh and it's just strange now to see this all come to fruition. I mean, this is this is the new reality. Alex Jones and uh and that group of people are in the I mean, Steve Bannon you know, he was the, you know, obviously the chief strategist for Oof. Donald Trump. He uh, withheld the storm. He with, withstood the storm that came against him and, and, of course, his company Breitbart. He's still there in in, uh, in Donald Trump's ear. And, uh, and you know, so I understand, again, going back to the uh, to the three-plus million people that marched, I completely understand the concerns that people are having. Um, and, again, hopefully uh, clearer heads will be able to uh, prevail in that situation. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, DACA? Mm-hmm. And uh, so Spicer was asked about it. Donald Trump has promised in his hardline America First policies, he has promised to let it expire, which we cannot uh, be in favor of in any way, shape or form. I highly recommend you call up, uh, you know, uh, your, your um, local representatives and just demand that DACA does not expire. These are innocent victims in a much larger problem, in a much larger um World than they, than they ever expected. I mean, most of these kids come over here six, seven, eight years old, sometimes they're infants, and uh, it's just, it, they're not over here because they, they chartered a plane themselves and they had the idea to immigrate to America illegally.
0: Absolutely not. And the uh, question, there were two questions that came up about DACA. They tried to nail into the wall on this, but what he said is that he said, listen, we have priorities. We're going to go uh, after people. Uh, who have uh, criminal records? We're going to go after people uh, who have overstayed their visas. Uh, and he didn't say anything about DACA. What the subtext there is is we're not coming for you yet, but we're coming.
2: Yeah, you know, right, that's, right, right.
0: I mean that's what he says. So we've got priorities. We're going after the people with criminal records. He said nothing about uh, extending DACA. The, what it was mm-hmm. was what I read out of that was we are. Going to come for you, but enjoy your last six months in America.
1: Of course, we have a situation where Barack Obama, because the press, I don't think, covered him enough, quite frankly, or critically enough, which is always one of the great benefits of having a Republican in office, we are definitely going to get all of the negative things that that person is doing. Barack Obama deported roughly 2 million people. Donald Trump has promised to deport uh, roughly the same amount. There's 900,000 people, I believe, currently registered with DACA. And they're so easy to find because they followed all the rules that yeah. the Obama administration asked them to follow. They gave them all of their, uh, you know, their address, their full names, their numbers. They, they can be, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they put a damn chip in their necks uh, to be able to track them. <laughs> um, and so if you are Donald Trump and you do want to just have a simple grab and a simple like, look what I did, boom, 140 characters or less, you can tell the American people. You are able to deport nine hundred thousand because all you have to do is go to their home and pick them up.
3: Yeah, and and that's a, a frustrating part of this whole policy because you know right. even when Trump was going out uh, against the illegal immigrants and everything, he was all saying, "Well, we want to respect the people who follow the rules." Well, right. the DACA kids followed the rules. They did. So you're just gonna you're changing the rules in the middle of the game. You know, it's not it's <clears> not fair <throat> to them. And I it don't isn't. know
0: if he would actually. And I actually don't know if he would do that because the optics of that would be terrible. Since these sure. DACA kids have been here for forever, all of their friends are American. The people that they work. Yeah. For are American these people? They are, for all intents and purposes, American. Yeah. They are in the country, and all of a sudden you're going to bring in uh, you're going to bring in shock troops to take away uh, people that others consider to be American citizens. I don't think so. I don't yeah. think you're going to be able to do that. I think well, the backlash of that would be absent. I think that would actually turn a lot of people against against
1: them. him. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I don't disagree. And it, you know, people talk about uh, you know Barack Obama was talking about going out and talking to your neighbor. You know, get off of Twitter and get off of social media. And go to speak with your neighbor. The one thing is, uh, I guarantee you, uh, neighbors would come together in solidarity for that one family that would be deported. I think that neighborhoods would, uh, you know, rise up, and that would be a fascinating situation to see. And you know, that would be beautiful in a way. But hopefully, it doesn't have to come to us forced to go out and protect our neighbors from getting. Torn out of their homes by the government. I mean, how horrifying does that sound? Oh, and the I, imagery alone is yeah. The idea not, not to harken back to World War II because I think it's an overused analogy. But you really can't think I of. I mean, a, you can harken back to Elian Gonzalez. We sure. all remember. We all remember that picture. Oh, that was a great. Oh, that was that was a, a brute. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, and of course, then he went uh, back to Cuba. Yeah. And he's uh,
3: running a very successful
1: cigar company. Is that's fake really? news. I'm sorry, that's <laughs> fake, fake news. news. I made that up. I made, made that. Up. I made that
3: up. <laughs> but no, I wanted because that, that feeds perfectly into. You're absolutely right. I don't think neighbors would let it happen. I don't, you know, just the idea has scared people uh, enough that it leads perfectly into uh, what uh, we we have forgotten to uh, talk about—the women's march. I'm sorry we've left it out, but no, we're that,
1: talking about well, it. It's that, all in there.
3: But that's what I saw a lot of. You know, you saw uh, everybody showing up just on the idea that they're afraid of all the things the Republicans and Trump are going to do. That's why there was 500,000 people in D.C. for the women's <laughs> march of all colors. Um, everyone, you know. Uh, the the classic chant uh, where the women go my body my choice and then the men go her body her choice uh, everybody's backing each other up you got men women people of all colors marching together gay straight and you know the women's march was m- much bigger than just women's issues L- it was LGBTQ issues it was immigrant issues mm-hmm. um, and so I think you're absolutely right Ben because that does uh, that uh, you know the idea that people sort of be people, will, yeah, people yeah people will not let that happen to our American friends and that's the nice thing about this new millennial
1: generation. Yeah. We ha-
3: all have friends from all these different backgrounds, and we are going to stand up uh, f- for each other. So yeah, I although, am-
1: I got to say, the Women's March, I, those ovary hats. The pink pink hats were. I I couldn't stop thinking about the youngest daughter, who I love, from Bob's Burgers, (laughs) Dina. Dina. No, no, no. no, no. no, no. No, No. Tina's the horny one. She's hilarious.
0: Yeah, yeah. I can't remember either. But yeah, 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 I'll agree with that. But uh, let's uh, not forget. As far as executive orders today, he has already signed one. Yes. uh, Against abortion, he signed. Mm -hmm. He reinstated a federal ban on U.S. funding for international health organizations that counsel women on family planning options that include abortion. It has already begun. Right. Yeah,
3: the assault has uh, begun. It starts with <clears throat> other countries first, not America first. Interestingly,
1: <laughs> enough. interestingly enough, yeah. yeah, I mean a lot of people were surprised that we even had funding for other countries when it comes to their um you know, female health and, and those sorts of things. But yes, it's definitely begun. This is the first step. And uh, Spicer was asked about that today at his first press conference. And they he didn't really clarify regarding defunding of Planned Parenthood and things like that. He just said pro life, pro life, pro life. Mark that my mindset, words, like exactly what happened in the campaign and exactly what happened uh, January 9th after Trump won. Planned Parenthood is going to be, in my personal opinion, financially fine. I think there's going to be a huge amount, a groundswell of support from small donations coming from all over the country, and Planned Parenthood is going to be fine financially. But the problem would be then what will happen uh, from the legislative level regarding their institution as a whole. You know, I mean, you know, Texas already has what, I believe it's two uh, facilities that women could seek an abortion, and it's one of the largest, I think there's literally two. And things like that. So it does, you know, so I understand the fear. Um, I don't think Planned Parenthood, obviously, if the, you know, I think there was a misconception that if the government defunds, it's going to shut down. It won't shut down. But, you know, what does it say to the other uh, more conservative states regarding their facilities? Oh,
3: sure. Conservative states have already started. I mean, yeah, if,
1: if they... And I'm, I'm not for defending Planned Parenthood, but I just want to say, the uh, again, like we were talking about, I, I think people are going to just give them a lot of money.
3: Right, right. Well, and that, that would be an interesting side effect. You know, it is, it is again, the, the Women's March answer to uh, the inauguration of Donald Trump, you know. Um, and in a lot of these states, you already see a lot of... Uh, you know, there's only one abortion facility in some of these southern states. I know in Ohio, which is a fairly purple state, uh, the heavy Republican legislature and John Kasich signed a uh, uh, 20-week abortion bans, right? Where it's like if it's after 20 weeks, you know, tough cookies. So right. it's it's already started in the states, and now if it's coming from the federal level too, that's that's gonna
1: do some damage. Right. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely have to stay active, and uh, and I thought. You know, that was a beautiful uh, protest, beautiful march. It's so great to see democracy in action. And again, it was, it was extremely peaceful. I will say, it was so crowded in D.C. <laughs> no one
3: could move. And yeah. no one knew where the march was. And I had friends that come in from out of town and everything. I think everyone was very confused, but everyone was very happy and positive. I,
0: I just want to make sure that everybody remembers that the fight is only beginning. Uh, yes, that this is protests, day one. Yeah, this is day one. Those uh, protest like that, yeah, it is beautiful. It is wonderful that it happened, but we cannot spend all of our time patting ourselves on the back, talking about what an amazing job that we've done.
3: Right, right. The you know, job, job begins now. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I remember I read a, a New York Times article a couple of uh, days ago. Uh, a guy was saying that he was watching the inauguration, but he had to turn it off because he got scared <laughs> Fuck God you. Damn it. You had to turn it off because you got scared? <laughs> you're scared? Fine. It's well, okay it's... to be scared. It's uh, it's perfectly understandable to be scared and to be afraid, but we can't run away. This it's is not the time f- to 12. run away. This is not the time to turn off your phone because you're getting a little frightened. You have to face this shit. You, you got to face to... it. This <laughs> is 76, 2.0.
1: 1776, powerful stuff. Face the fear,
3: I agree. Yeah, everybody should run for office, too. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I really think millennials got to start. This is a local election. Election year, Start jumping up for school boards, city council, uh, town, dog catcher, yep. literally anything you can do to get involved. Because you nailed it on a point earlier, Ben. Those people, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, all the people using this pen, they're just people
1: who worked yep. their way up and got there. And
3: every single uh, American citizen can run
1: for office and do the same. Right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it is interesting. And I think, you know, when it comes to defunding Planned Parenthood, again, if you are a conservative-leaning person, you don't think the government should have any say in a, in a practice that you are completely repulsed by, such as, you know, something like abortion. So Donald Trump will have a lot of his base supporting his decision uh, to defund Planned Parenthood. And I certainly understand that perspective, if you are coming from that perspective, Um it's just you know the, the, that's the interesting thing about politics. Uh, so he was able to get two cabinet members uh, uh, so far. Rex Tillerson is in, and uh, and now well,
3: he already got two, and now he's got two more to uh,
1: this week. Rex Tillerson and uh, CIA Pompeo. Tom Pompeo. Yeah, Pompeo. And uh, at, at this point, uh, Barack Obama, I think, had like roughly seven or eight, uh, eight people. So the Democrats are you know pretty slow on uh, you know on approving his uh, on his cabinet picks. Uh, and, of course, we're finding out a little bit more about Russia and uh, General Mike Flynn. Uh, if He's had some com- communications with the Russians, um, and a lot of people were wondering what they were talking about. And apparently what we learned at this press conference today, the Russians had one of the largest tragedies in Russian history. Christmas Day, <laughs> December 25th, Russian there was a plane history. carrying uh, the military choir, the military band, and it crashed. And... Uh, that really sucked. 92 people died. 92 people died. So Mike Flynn called the, the Russians then, and Putin lost his favorite trombonist, <laughs> and that was really a, a, a tragedy. I can't imagine losing your entire military band. Uh, that's a strange, you know, because then I guess who do you call up? Pussy riot, maybe, or something like that. <laughs> They're in prison. Know. They're, still, They're in still in prison. prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be. Yeah. He
0: said it was about four things. It was about uh one. Number one, the Russian choir. That's what he brought up first. Number Absolutely. two, uh, seasons greetings. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, and number three, uh, I I can't remember what three and four is. All I remember is the seasons greetings and the Russian choir.
3: Fuck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess you gotta you gotta break up the choir so you don't lose them all in one plane. That's that's not good.
3: Yeah, I think one of them was about the the Russian ambassador getting shot in Turkey
1: as well like
3: condolences on that guy he just kept sending condolences for all the people the CIA were
1: killing right secretly fake news and he That's will be getting uh, – he wants to pull out of NAFTA or at least renegotiate NAFTA. And now all they want to do, and this is what uh, Spicer consistently talked about, he wants bilateral trade deals. He mm-hmm. just wants two uh, you know, countries dealing with one another. And it does make sense when he talks about NAFTA. In my personal opinion, I know conservatives that I know, like my friend Meghan McCain, she is like – she cannot believe there is a Republican in office who is against free trade. Free trade was a conservative um, – Uh, That was a cornerstone of the conservative movement for so long. And, of course, Obama went right along with the whole uh, tradition of free trade in this country. But when it comes to NAFTA, you know, talking about how we have 11 different countries, many of them extremely small, all carrying the exact same amount of power around. And uh, in Donald Trump's America First, in his America, you know, vision— uh, if his vision of this nation is being first in everything, he just can't deal with the idea that a smaller country would have the same amount of power in a trade uh, deal as we do. So that's why he's trying to get rid of NAFTA and, and, all, and all those things and try to renegotiate it. And I think if he can succeed with that, uh, I'm not necessarily against it. You know, his, his I mean, that's the strange thing about Donald Trump. That's the populist streak. You right. know, we can talk about the social issues and they're very real and very valid. Yeah. But then he also has this economic message right. that i don't necessarily i want to see what it looks like i've never lived in a world without uh, well you know we did we lived in the world before nafta but not really um and of course tpp we we nipped that in the buds speaking of abortions uh, that was certainly in its infancy uh, tpp was still in utero when uh, when that was uh, done away with so it'll be fascinating to see what happens with these trade deals day one this has been an extremely active 24 hours for the first day of of a presidency. He met
3: with a bunch of top CEOs in the morning to discuss how they could reinvigorate the economy, and he he says, according to Sean Spicer's statements, it sounds like he wants to meet with them again in a month and then quarterly Mm -hmm. uh, each year. But then this afternoon, he's meeting with labor uh, leaders, he's right. meeting with all these folks. So yeah, it's this strange, yeah, strange uh, Venn diagram. Exactly, where it's the the Bernie Sanders populist progressive issues mixing with populist uh, Republican issues.
1: And then, of course, anything that Pence wants to do on social issues is going to be troublesome it's, it's, and, and it's, problematic, and. and Uh, you know, scary to the people who will be affected by that. And speaking of
0: which, we have a Supreme, uh, uh, Spicer said today that we're going to hear of a Supreme Court nomination in the next couple weeks. Oh, Oh, my God. It might
1: be Judge Napatolano from Fox News.
3: Uh, That is not how you say that. (laughs) How do you say his
1: name? I've never been able to say it. It's Neapolitan ice cream. Oh, that's right. (laughs) right. And the interesting thing, uh, Michael Flynn, he is working, KT McFarland is working close with him. She's his top aide. And I used to go on Red Eye with her all the time really nice woman she was a rubio supporter and then she did slowly as a frog boils uh turn into a trump supporter (laughs) it was so fascinating to watch that transition happen in real time day by day once it just became real that Trump was going to be the nominee. It's so fascinating to see people justify it, just pivot everything they believe in just a little bit. And you can, if you squint your eyes just so, you know, Donald Trump <laughs> looks like Ronald Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> it really is fascinating. Yeah, you see him and fall in line. You do. You, and they certainly, everyone, uh, you know, the parties went back to their DNA without a doubt. Although Marco Rubio has said that he he has some uh, some issues with a few cabinet choices. Um, well, or his
3: grilling of Rex Tillerson on Russia was, was pretty epic. But I mm-hmm. guess uh, in the last few days, they've uh, met personally, talked for 90 minutes, and Rubio is now going to support
1: Tillerson with reservation. So well,
3: yeah. I think Tillerson's through uh, today.
1: And McCain will as well, and Lindsey Graham also will. With reservation, but whatever, it's a yes or no. Yeah. So a yes yeah, yeah, has the yeah. same amount of power with a reservation or without a reservation. And I have to clarify on the last episode, I said uh, that Trump's policies and the Republican policies right now economically, they want to increase the budget seven to $17 trillion uh, over 10 years. It'll be $9.7 trillion, roughly $10 trillion that will increase uh, the, the, the deficit in, uh, in 10 years. Yeah, so, but don't worry, Mexico is going to pay us back for that wall. They are. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> well, we got El Chapo now. Oh, so yeah. That's exciting. El Chapo's that's what, here. El, El Chapo Chap- that's that's what is what here. I'm
0: yeah, El Chapo's like a couple of miles away from where we are right now.
1: Oh, my yeah. God. Just staring at him. What
0: wall?
3: if he just pops oh. through the basement floor like, hey, guys?
1: Hola. We would have such a great guest. El Chapo right? would be so fun. He, he should
3: try the flautus here.
1: <laughs> oh, he would love. He would love the food here. Um, absolutely, here at the Creek in the Cave, 1093 Jackson Avenue, come on down and get some flautas. That's my personal favorite. <laughs> it's very tasty. So, uh, yeah, fascinating stuff happening all around. Uh, as far as uh, emotion and intentions in the country, it does seem to be fairly high right now, and uh, hopefully things can just sort of, you know, we've got to keep an eye on uh, on what this guy is up to we got to keep an eye on what he's up to. But it, it is fascinating to see a person who run a, ran a campaign to blow up the two major parties, ran an insurgent campaign from the Republican Party, now take office and, and be the leader of the free world. Um, it is it is sitting in, huh? It's, it's settling in. It's starting to and, feel uh, real. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, and, and the American people, I think— you know, they don't pay attention to politics, and like you said, Travis, get involved, call your state legislators, and run for something. I have some big breaking news uh, that I will announce very soon, but I'm not going to announce it right now at the, ad- at the advice of campaign manager, Travis Irvine.
3: Don't say nothing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but we got some big news coming in the future. Um all right, Marcus. Anything else we want to talk about here? I think that's it, man. I think that's good. Um I will read some viewer emails here at the end of the episode also. And uh, uh yeah, and uh, you know if you uh, thanks so much for listening to the show. You can tweet me at Ben kissel tweet at Marcus Parks, and Travis, let's see, I know you gotta get out of here. So where can people find you and what are you up to?
3: Oh, Travis Irvine USA on Twitter and you can find my stories on mediaite.com. Uh it's a it's a fun site where they take all the big stories that are happening in political news as well as just in news what's happening on all the 24 hour news networks and uh, you know my job is to essentially interview these people outside of CNN and MSNBC and Fox News
1: Um, but man that is really hard so check me on
3: mediaite.com
1: while Mm -hmm. I'm still there that's perfect. Yes, check them out. Indeed, and I also want to say I met a great—I know I'm forgetting her name, but you'll remember who you are. Uh, we met in the back of the uh, Union Transfer where we did our live last podcast and left in Philly. And she works with Title Nine. We talked about Title Nine a little bit on the last episode. She swears by it. She absolutely loves it. And um, so I, I want to tell her again. Please email me. Uh, you know the benefits of Title Nine and how you see it. Uh, you know being. Um, a a good fit for universities and things like that Um, All right, we'll do some viewer emails and uh, listener emails and thanks so much for being with us Travis thank you All right, well that was fun with Travis oh yeah wild guy great guy yeah he didn't have to do his Alex Jones impression because we had Alex Jones on (laughs) so that was was really good Um, I want to thank Parker Sesteric he sent me a message and he was the one who uh, mentioned it was 9.7 trillion that the Republicans were going to add to the budget Uh, so thank you so much for reaching out so let's just do a few emails I got a bunch of them and uh, but now Marcus, uh, let's see, do you want to read this first one? Sure. Or at least uh, some of it. We can't read the whole thing. I say make it blurby, but people, I think they like to type and, and they, <laughs> once they start typing, they can't stop typing.
0: Well, it's not uh, just that. I mean, we deal with very uh, complicated issues here. And yeah, it's but that- so does
1: Trump. He just tweets it. He's, he's the president and he can get it in 140 characters <laughs> yeah, yeah, or can less. Yeah, he get it in so.
0: 140 characters.
1: Why can't you dumb asshole? Oh, leave him alone, Marcus.
0: <laughs> Trump's the smart one. Don't Is you he? know this? I didn't know that.
3: <laughs> Is he the smart one? Well,
0: well, pretty much uh, what this guy is, uh, Steve said uh, in his email uh, is that he says, um, I do not believe that Republicans in their base really give a shit about small government and that they will abandon their principles now that they're in power as they always seem to do. So now that they are in power, how do you see the Dems negotiating? Do you see them willing to reach across the ultimate compromises where they have common ground or do you see them obstructing at every uh, turn? Mm -hmm. Uh, He said, sorry, it's not a blur, but thanks for reading you Fox News scum. Fox News scum. Very nice. Well, thank you so much for that. Didn't someone yell that at you at the live show? Live show. Yeah, I get yeah. that a lot. It's, those yeah.
1: three Fox News scum. It's fun, though. <laughs> I wish they would have me on more. I don't, I'm, not even, I'm, I'm not even on the network enough to be scum anymore. It's punchy. Ah, dang it. Interesting. Uh, obviously, now they have, the, they have the Congress. The Republicans have the House uh, and, uh, and the Senate. So they have the Congress, much like Obama did in 2008. So they do have these two years now to really push through their policies. They have to get Obamacare uh, if they're going to replace it. If they're going to repeal it, they have to replace it, and they have yet to come up with a plan. When it comes to the Democrats obstructionist, uh being an obstructionist on every turn, I have to say, historically, the Democrats have been more willing to compromise. I mean, they certainly were. Uh, they should have been a little bit more of an obstructionist during uh, W. Mm. That's for damn sure. It would have been nice if people like Hillary Clinton, for example, and many others, except for Bernie Sanders and my boy, uh, Russ Feingold, uh, you know, most of them supported the war and things like that. So they do seem to be more willing to compromise um, traditionally. This is a different time now. Again, we have the 3.3 million people marching over the weekend. I feel like the Democratic Party is more entrenched and more. Um, they feel it's funny because usually when a person's elected, the elected gets the mandate. Mm-hmm. In this situation, I almost think it's flipped. Yeah. I think the mandate is on the Democratic Party to represent the millions and millions and millions of people uh, who just feel completely out of touch with this administration. So I think the mandate's now on the Democratic uh, Party. And I think we're seeing you know the the grassroots of that of that party um really come together and if they are able to mobilize and create you know their form of sort of a tea party which again does tend to benefit more conservative minded individuals because i think they're a little they're slightly less ironically enough concerned about self and uh self-individualism on the right even though that's sort of a a cornerstone of their uh of of their politics and theories you're your own man you're your own woman you can do anything in this country at the end of the day they do fall in line like we've talked about on the episode when it comes to republicans now fully on board with donald john trump so um i think we can expect to see the democrats fight fight more in these two years uh certainly than they did when the last republican was in office which was of course w and i and i hope they do because that's this, that's what this country needs now this country is going to need a real firm opposition when the opposition is needed obviously again like we talked about the venn diagram of of uh, policy when it comes to tpp and nafta democrats probably aren't going to push back too much on that even though obviously tpp passed under a democratic presidency They have to. These next two years are going to be extremely important. If the Democrats want to maintain relevance um, in 2018, if they want to win back the Senate, win back the House, they are going to need to fight tooth and nail. And we're seeing that with Elizabeth Warren. She gave a very good speech. Obviously, it has to be more than just words. Although that's what got Trump elected. <laughs> uh, but Elizabeth Warren, did you, she gave a great speech about, you know, now we fight and now we, you know, it was really passionate. And so those, those voices of the Democratic Party, Chuck Schumer needs to shh. He needs to shush Schumer. <laughs> and the, the more vocal grassroots Democrats really need to show up in these two years. So that's a great question and thanks so much for asking it. Um, all right, I got one here. This one's just entitled, Fuck You. <laughs> um, <laughs> it says fuck you uh, in spite of the subject line I'm a huge fan she found us through My Favorite Murder and then she found Last Podcast on and the left and, uh, and she just went so on and we hear that all the time mm-hmm. and you know we gotta thank My Favorite Murder they've been so nice to us and, uh, and thank them uh, so thanks for mentioning us so uh, this was from an older episode but we were talking about how um, I'll just read it the other day I was listening to Top Hat uh, I think it was Palestine Do You Mind which was amazing Palestine Do You Mind so It's Palestine you mind? And we're going to talk. We have somebody who lived <laughs> in Israel who we'll get to here. And uh, she says, I was right there with you when you were talking about the plight of some of the folks living closer geographically to the center of the country. They are also marginalized. They are too uh, silenced. You know? and, uh, and then she said, then about blacks, you said, what if they, were, if, they, well, if they were so concerned about the election, they should have gone out and voted just in case you don't have any, uh, anyone else in your life who will say this to you about this issue anyway. Fuck you, Ben Kissel. That's very nice of you, thank you. How many times do black people have to build this nation? Should the Jews have been more politically savvy? Was the Holocaust their fault? Are kids riding bikes just asking to be picked up by pedophiles? And then she says, I know what Marcus Parks would say. What would you say, Marcus?
0: Is it kids' faults that they're getting picked up by pedophiles? (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: if that's the the part of the question you want to focus on. And then she said, so fuck you and you're brilliant. Keep up the good work. Don't be an asshole. And uh, and to prove I'm not just some politically correct, tree-hugging, bleeding-heart liberal, I loved both of the Black Serial Killer episodes. Uh, Absolutely hilarious. And that was from Yvette. Uh, Thank you so much, Yvette, for writing in. Um, Yeah, what I was referring to there in that episode was just about, uh, it was, uh, you know, the, the low voter turnouts, it was, and it was more of an indictment on Hillary and her campaign. Uh, the low voter turnout was, uh, was, it was a huge detriment, uh, to the Democrats and in uh, to Hillary's campaign, and uh, and that's all I was saying. I mean, I'm not gonna, I, I'm not blaming uh, people for not being inspired to go out and vote for a candidate uh, if that candidate doesn't inspire them. And I think that was sort of the overall message. In no way am I blaming uh, individuals who were marginalized throughout the Trump um, primary process for being the reason that he got elected. I mean, there was many vocal uh, you know people from all over, all walks of life, people of color, uh, people with different uh, you know religions outside of the mainstream christian philosophy of the country even though it's not officially a christian nation it basically is mm-hmm. um so i'm not i was not uh, you know trying to blame those people it was just really more of an indictment on where the mistakes of the democratic party were and they certainly made a massive mistake not being able to mobilize huge groups of people that really are required for them uh, to be mobilized in order for them to win and i think that stemmed With, uh, you know, with Hillary Clinton's record, the 94 Crime Act, the 1033 program, all those things that we don't need to rehash right now. But thank you so much. That was your question. I totally understand. And I apologize if it came across as if I was victim blaming or something like that. No one uh, wants to do that. All right, Marcus. So we got another one from now. What's the This person's name is Autumn Storm, right? Yeah. Autumn Storm. Superhero. (laughs) Awesome. She says... It's important to note that
0: there are huge communities of secular individuals living in Israeli territories that are second and third generation Palestinians. Secular Jews and Muslim Palestinians live next door to one another, even intermarry, and nobody really cares about the state territory issues. But... For those people that do, the number one point to remember is that Palestine from the beginning has refused to recognize Israel's, quote, right to exist. When discussing territory and states with the UN in the 60s and even until now, the leaders of Israel have looked for ways to negotiate and share space. The Palestinian leadership, on the other hand, has never budged on their stance that Israel should not exist in the first place and they will not be satisfied with a two-state solution because there should not be an Israel,
1: nor should there be Jews at all. All right, so that is a great reminder first of all that there are moderates in israel and palestine we often don't talk about that it's always the you know the the squeaky wheel uh, you know gets the uh, gets the oil and and i think that is an, uh, that's unfortunate that you know you, you never think about people living in israel being uh, jewish or being palestinian and actually intermarrying we never hear about those stories all we hear about is the violence and that is a good point about palestine uh, just not believing, and this is the thing with Israel. People don't believe it's a state, and that is a strange thing to have to validate and have to fight against if you are the Israelis. And I understand this is why Benjamin Netanyahu was able to run on such a uh, you know tribalistic platform in a lot of ways, and certainly anti-Palestinian uh, Palestinian and anti-Muslim, uh, because the rhetoric is so hard on the other side, It is a strange thing to just constantly have to argue for your existence. And so I understand from the Jewish perspective, that's exactly what they have to do. I mean, no one is discrediting America as a nation or Russia as a nation or China as a nation or, you know, Taiwan. That's up for debate. (laughs) But um, and so that is an interesting thing that the Israelis have to go through. And that's a good uh, point and it's uh, we have to keep that into perspective when talking about Israel. And that's why people on the right are so, oh, my God. I criticized Benjamin Netanyahu on Red Eye uh, a, a year or something ago, and I got, like, death threats. People were so pissed um, because that's how serious the conflict is and se- how serious the opposition is to the Israelis people, to the Israeli people. The Palestinians, many of them, and the Iranians, obviously, which is why, of course— uh the 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 nuclear deal was so looked down upon by by uh israelis when it came to Obama's nuclear deal with the Iranians because they don't believe, the Iranians don't believe that Israel is a state that should exist. Um, So that's a good thing to remember, and it's also really fun and interesting to hear about moderates living in those places who are coming together and getting along, and I wish we could hear a little bit more about those things.
0: Well, they're just people. They're just people. We
1: have to remember
0: that every single country on Earth is filled with just people. Every single country on Earth, every single state in America is filled with just people, Trying to get by,
1: and we can't Mm. ever lose sight of that. Absolutely not. And I wish it would be nice if we could hear a little bit more about it. Yeah. And that's why it's so fun to do these emails. And please email me at benk721 at gmail. Dot com. And then finally, uh, I just want to read this one. It was just a nice one. It's from Mary Jane, who I love her name, and I love a, a product that's nicknamed after her also. Uh, she wanted to give a big-time shout-out for all the entertainment on last podcast on the left and Ableton's Top top Uh She has a relatively stressful job. She works as a social worker. Oof. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me who work in social work. Yeah. We have a lot of listeners who do... It's the Lord's work or Satan's work or whatever (laughs) deity you want to praise. It is such a difficult job. It is. And we have, uh, there was a woman I was talking to in Philly uh, who worked in in social work. And, you know, she just thanked us because obviously my background in uh, in being a foster brother and being a foster home uh, basically my entire life. Um, we talk about it a lot, and it's just not spoken about. And you forget that these are not mainstream conversations, and they really should be. Social work is is such a task and such a chore, and it just feels like they get no help everywhere they turn. Either people don't want to hear about you know children who are abused, or poor, or a person of color, or you know whatever it might be. It's taboo in some places, and then of course uh, financially. It's not like the federal government is is giving them uh, buku bucks. As a matter of fact, they tend to be part of you know Head Start, for example. It's a great federal program. My little brother went to it, and without that, his education experience would have been far far worse. When the Demo- when the Republicans promise to cut certain things and make the government uh, smaller, they don't make the government smaller. They just cut these. Like for example, perfect example. Donald Trump wants to cut PBS. Yeah, uh, he wants to make that private. He wants to that is not even a it is like nothing it is nothing on the federal budget but people can hear PBS and they say oh that's a trigger oh guess government is getting smaller it's not getting smaller yeah, the national endowment for the arts exactly it's always those things on the butcher block and those are all symbolic things Planned Parenthood is the same way you know five hundred million dollars a year it 's a splash in the, it is a it is nothing it is a it is a raindrop in the ocean, but people hear it and they have an emotional trigger to it and then they say, "Oh, he is making the government smaller but it 's just not true and so often the social it 's the social programs that are so unbelievably needed uh, in this country, especially with the ability to go through a Walmart and get a gun at any time. People talk <laughs> about mental health all the time, and this is the fun these are the front Lines of mental health in this country, social workers. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. She says she likes to listen to the podcast in a car as a bit of a breather to offset some of the daily shit show situations she runs into. So you can imagine how awful the shit show situations she runs into are if she listens to like Jack the Ripper (laughs) to relax, you know? Um... And she says, it may sound silly, but given my profession, I find myself pretty overwhelmed and daunted by the prospect of a Donald Trump presidency. I find that your commentary often often brings me a bit of the levity I need to cope, and yet I respect your thoughts and opinions beyond just any distraction to make me laugh. So thank you so much for listening, Mary Jane. We really appreciate it, and uh, thank you for what you do, and um, please email me more stories about uh, your jobs and stuff like that, because I'm telling you, going out to these live shows and meeting the listeners everyone has a story and, um, you know, they're always fascinating. Everyone. Yeah. And, you know, even people who are like, Oh, I have a boring job and it just never, nothing is boring. Uh, there's always something interesting and we cannot, uh, you know, stress enough how wonderful it is to meet you guys and girls. But you know what I mean? Um, when we go to these live shows, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so phenomenal. It's pretty great. Um, All right. Well, I guess we can wrap up this episode, and we'll do more emails. I have to find a way to organize them better, so I apologize if you sent I got a lot of them, and then uh, you know I lose everything. I don't know how I lose things on an iPhone. I don't know either. But somehow it goes away. I think because the garbage is is so close to the They got to stop doing that. Anyway. Oh, and I also want to clarify. It was an MI6 agent British intelligence who leaked the, uh, the the dossier, which I did know, but someone said I said it was WikiLeaks. Anyway, um, all right, find Marcus Parks on Twitter, at Marcus Parks, Marcus Parks on Instagram, at Marcus Parks. I'm Ben Kissel on Twitter. Please tweet at me. Follow me. We're doing absolutely wonderful. Instagram, Ben Kissel1. And uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. For
0: more shows like the one you just listened to, go to CaveComedyRadio.com.